I'm going to start now. Okay. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous that you're here doing this with me. Well, uh, you volunteered it's for fine. this. I so. did volunteer for this. I'm ready. All right. Hello, and welcome back to the Comic Books Matter podcast. I'm your guest host, Glenn. Our guest this episode needs no introduction, but I'm going to do one anyway. He's a writer, podcast host, and Batman enthusiast. He's a certified sweetheart who loves the Purple Heart emoji, and if you're not careful, he'll invite you onto this podcast to talk about comic books. It's Jesse Peterson, the host of this very show. Hey, Jesse, Glenn. Thanks for, having, have, thanks for having me on, Glenn. Thanks for having me on your show to have you on your show. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm glad. I'm glad that we get to do this together because this is this is always a fun time. And I feel like we're too busy sometimes to talk to each other as much. So that's why I like doing it on podcast. It's very true. We are sometimes involved in our own little like circles that like don't overlap barely at all. That when they do overlap, I feel like we go hard. Yeah. Talking to each other for like three days, and then it's like, well, I'll talk to Jesse next time. Yeah. <laughs> something we'll we'll something relevant happens. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Well, so great. thank you yeah. for having me on to talk to you about your podcast. This is an idea that I've wanted to do with several people uh, and, and podcasts they have, which is to say, have an episode where they talk about their own podcast. So thank you for taking me up on my offer. Oh, of course. I, I, it's weird to say that this is one year of doing this show, exactly the day that I posted the first episode. Um, but it's only been 40 episodes because I took so many breaks. Hey, you know what? I think we all deserve a break now and again, especially after the year we've just had. Oh yeah, I I, I picked the worst year to uh, do this. I mean, the worst and best year because a lot of people are at home, so I can get people to talk that I probably would never have been able to get to talk before. Right. But uh, but also yeah, the worst year. So what made you want to start this podcast? Um, so I started. I started. Okay, so I've started. I've started a few podcasts. Um, when I was working at Walmart, like almost four years ago, which is crazy to think about. I had a podcast with some friends where we just talked about nerd news and we called it the Geek Patrol podcast because we're terrible at naming things. Nice. Um, and that had spinoffs, uh, which I had an animator friends um, who I did an animation podcast with called the Chunky Puff podcast because we both like Ed and Eddie so much. <laughs> um, and you can find those on iTunes probably still. I don't know if you should because I was much younger and much stupider. Um but I did that for a while and that was fun. But then we all got really busy. Uh, everybody went to college and I was busy working. So we stopped doing that. And then it wasn't until a couple years later, while I'm working at the job I'm at now, I got the itch to talk to people about their creative processes. Because mm-hmm. uh, that's super fascinating to me. And I think, I think it had to be something to do with Uppercut. Sure. Because they had somebody on or something that like made me want to do that. 
so I, I grabbed a friend and was like, okay, let's talk about you. He's DM for, for my uh, Dungeons & Dragons game. So I'm okay. like, let's talk about your process on making uh, the campaign. So we did that. It was great. I couldn't get anybody else to come on. <laughs> <laughs> None of my other friends who do pro- like did like projects and stuff. None of them want to talk about their process. So that died. Um, and then I want to do a writing podcast. I'm like, well, okay, no one wants to talk about the creative process. I can at least talk about my creative process and the things that inspire me. So I did two episodes of that. And I realized I hate talking to myself. So that died. And then I'm like, well, okay, let me just make my own. <laughs> See, this is Glenn. You're getting my like my brain going. Well, I could do this. Oh, it's too much. <laughs> I no, can't see, do this. That's great. That's this yeah. is this is sort of something of my creative process, which is yeah. me getting really like interested in an idea and then going, I can't do this. This is too much. So what came next is a, a website and a podcast called "It Came from the Multiverse." That was re- originally what all of this was. And what it was going to be was the website was going to be articles and reviews of comic books. Um, Uh And the articles would be like personal essays and stuff. And then the podcast would just be the weekly news and maybe some thoughts on stuff. Well, the podcast, again, it's me talking to myself. I hate doing it. So that died out very quickly. And it was only like 15 minutes every time. And I'm like, that's not enough. Even though in this world, we need shorter podcasts. We do. Uh, Shout out to House of Comics. You always put out like a three hour podcast. Um. I don't know how they do it, but those guys like to talk to each other. Um, but then I realized I was reviewing every comic book I bought, every comic book. Mm-hmm. That's about 50 reviews, even if they're only like a paragraph or two. Like that's 50 reviews I was doing every other week. Wow. Um, and I couldn't keep up because it's just, that's stupid. Right. That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> why. I, I was uploading the images. I was tagging the creators when I posted them on Twitter. Like I was doing all of that. That's a lot of work for one person to do and work a full-time job. Right. So I never wrote any personal essays either. And it's also because it's hard to write for me. It's hard to write personal essays in general, because I'm much more, I'm better at communicating how I feel through just conversation and mm-hmm. not through writing it out that's why i hated writing essays in college but i loved writing fiction when i got to write fiction uh so i'm like well that that idea scrapped how about i just write about the stuff or how about i just do a podcast about the stuff i like and then get people to talk about the stuff they like <laughs> when that's it comes great. to comic, comic books and that's the start of this show that's fantastic and i've i've enjoyed your show because i i really enjoy shows where people get to kind of just talk at length about things they enjoy um i really loved your episode with chip uh your fourth episode that you did about mm-hmm. secret wars and fantastic for um it was just very fun it's very fun to hear him talk about what he was inspired by and the two of you had a really good rapport uh and i've enjoyed uh, all of your episodes that i've listened to honestly i just enjoy people talking about something that you know some comic that they really related to or that really meant something to them how did you what was your process for like selecting guests for this show? Um, so the first guest I ever had was Chip uh, Zadarsky. And the only reason I got Chip is because COVID. Right. Um, and what happened was, and I don't, I like, I don't, this is weird. Chip had a thing where he's like, if you donate $200 to charity, to a certain charity, I will come on your podcast. And I'm like, I, have, I had $200 from something. I think it was my tax return at the point. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I have this money. I can either put it to debt <laughs> or 
I can or, get I can get a really big combo creator on my fourth episode of my podcast. So I did that and um and he was very kind and gracious and he came on and he lives in Canada, so the time zones are all wacky. So I figured that finally and I'm like, cool, I can get guests, I can do this, I can figure this out. So my goal was to get anybody that isn't terrible. That was that's really my <laughs> that's, that's really my whole goal. <laughs> And by terrible, I mean just have terrible politics, write terrible books. Like, um, like I'm not gonna get. Uh, I don't even say some people's names because they're so sure. terrible. I understand, but, but I'm not gonna get like Rob Liefeld on because I don't like Rob Liefeld. And why would I ever want to get right. someone on I don't like? Right? Like that's really right. what it is. Um, and again, he could be a totally cool dude in person. He doesn't come off that way on Twitter, and that's what all I get to see. So <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna ask him on. Um, but there, there's tons of people I love, and there's also people I love in adjacent to this space. Um, right. Something I haven't got to do a lot, but I would like to do. But <laughs> I feel like when I pitch the things like, hey, come on my comic podcast, people are like, Western comics, right? Like, I want to talk about manga. I want to talk about anime. I want to talk about the movies. I want to talk about the cartoons. But everybody kind of just avoids those sure. for the most part. Um, because the whole show is not just like the, the physical books, but like anything adjacent. So I want to expand in that. So that's why I don't mind getting anybody. Like if you're just a fan of something that you really want to talk about, and I know you as a good person, you're right. welcome to come on. Yeah. And you've had like a really kind of, I mean, it's very funny because there's a lot of people that we both are mutual friends with, mm-hmm. but I do think it's very funny that you had Chip on on episode four and then your fifth episode is an episode with Darby. <laughs> and then your seventh episode is an episode with me. Like it's just, you're really like all over the place with guests. And I kind of enjoy that because it's a lot of diversity and I've started following some people um, based on episodes they did on your podcast. So uh, that's very fun to just kind of be like, Oh, I I didn't know. Or, or I follow them because of a friend of a friend. And then I'm catching up on your podcast and I'm like, I did not realize that this person had done an episode with Jesse. So it was a pleasant surprise there. Yeah. who's your sorry go on i was just saying like getting people on like darby or getting anybody from uppercut on like or anybody that that's thing like you and darby and there's a few others i've gone on that really don't have anything to really promote other than your guys like twitter accounts and stuff which is totally fine because i know you guys personally you guys are a lot of fun to talk to and that's the Mm -hmm. key thing to this because if you if it's a boring conversation uh, I hesitate anytime that I feel like a conversation isn't going where if I'm going to post. Right. And, and that's kind of why um, I've stopped getting kind of, or not stopped getting, but stopped kind of talking to like cold calls on like sure. Twitter account and stuff. Like I'll look at the profile, see if it's something that might work for this or if it might not, because right. I, I've had one or two episodes. Oh, I think only one, but I, I don't want to single out. So I'm not gonna say which one. Um, where I'm like, I don't know if this is going to vibe with anybody. Right. But it did as well as anything else. So I can't really complain. But sure. it, it was like one of those ones where like, maybe I need to be a little more selective. But well, I think, I think, um, I mean, that's obviously your process and, it's, and that's entirely up to you. But I've enjoyed uh, sort of the just the sheer variety and uh, like it, it's so interesting to just get so many different, it's very diverse, like in terms of just like, personality types and backgrounds and stuff which is very very interesting yeah and i and i i I want to uh partially adapt uh nate and cams uh who are on some good shows and they've done an episode with me too um kind of mentality for all the some good shows things where they don't want to just have they don't want to have straight white guys 
on their podcast, which I totally right. get. Um, the problem is for me is like comics are like 50% straight white guys and the other 50% are that diverse group. So like it's hard to get as diverse as I want to sometimes. And half the time I'm cold, uh, like cold calling, right. Sliding into people's DMS, asking them to come on and I might not get a response either. Right. So I, and, I and it's hard. Best. Yeah. It is hard. It is that situation where it's like, I don't want to seem like I'm a straight white guy who's into comics. Yeah. But I am a straight white guy who's into comics, but I'm not one of those straight white guys into comics. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that's why, at least for the comics podcast, it's a bit more lenient to who I, like if I have a couple straight white guys in a row, I think it's a little bit more lenient because they're still good people. Right. Um, right. With 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 Nate Cam, they tend to work only in the the gaming side for the most part, and that could be get real ugly real fast. And not saying comics can't either, but I just I've made the show from the start not be in that area. It's just not. Right. It's not in that circles. I don't think I've ever had to deal with the harassment on my Twitter account because I'm just not replying to people that will get like will come after me. So right. It's very smart. Yeah. Who are your you know, if you had like a guest roster of like your dream guests, who were like two or three people you'd really want? Like who who's your like list of like plausibly I could get this person to come on? And who's your list of like just gonna shoot for the moon here by some miracle, you know, um, this person wanted to come on? I think my shoot for the moon kind of things is anybody any of the older creators. Like anybody mm-hmm. in the silver golden age, uh, even the bronze age kind of creators, I think it's super hard because one technology is hard <laughs> to understand. And I get right. that uh, Two, They don't know me. They know sure. like John Sunters because he's been doing it for 30 years, but they don't know me. who has been doing it for one. Right. Um, or like people are super busy, like Jim Lee. I would love to talk to Jim Lee for like an hour, but when, when, when is he, ha- when does he have a moment? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. And so like, those are basically the over the moon. So any, any creator that's, in between their uh i'd say their 50s in their in their in their 80s is probably the ones that are shoot over the moon because they're just hard to get to um but like ones i think i might be able to get in the future i would again love to talk to tom king uh i would love to talk mm-hmm. to i want to talk to more artists that's one of the biggest things i haven't talked to many artists themselves i've had a few right. artists on as a group podcast but not by themselves so i would love to talk to just any artist really <laughs> about their process but at the same time, I feel like they're a lot harder to get a hold of because they are drawing and writers do not take as much time to write the script as artists do have to draw the script. Um, and they're on, a, I feel like, a tighter crunch sometimes too. Uh, especially if they're, like, they're inking their own stuff. That's like insane. Like the draw it, then ink it, and then sometimes even have to color it. Like when do you have time? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but, absolutely. But another creator I'd like to get on, Gail Simone, I would love to get on. Um, uh, uh, Vita Ayea, I hope I pronounced her, uh, their last name right. I'd love to get them on. Um, honestly, any of the X Men creators right now, I'd love to get on because that's a whole group of people that like I don't know how to get a hold of any of them. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the thing too. Uh, yeah. I know from from my job as a news reporter, sometimes I'm trying to find a way to contact someone, even if it's just for something extremely minor, like a clarification of what their job title is, and sometimes it's just like. I, I found this email. Does this email even work? Is this current? Like, yeah. I don't know. And like, if the show became something popular, then I would shoot even further over the moon. And we, you made the joke earlier before we recorded that, like, I should get Zack Snyder on. I don't want to do that. But I would love to get like John Favreau on, maybe, <laughs> or like 
right uh, ava duvernay like pe- like cool people within like the movie making business who love comics that would be f- totally fun but that is another level of insanity of trying to get someone like that yeah for sure and uh i guess my other question my other questions are are less about your podcast and more specifically about like how did you get into comics i know that was a question you asked me because i re-listened to our episode uh in preparation for this and you asked me how i got into comics and um i would just would love to hear if, if you i'm sure you've probably told this story yeah, a handful uh, of times I think but if this the, is yeah. this is sort of the origin issue of this podcast so i thought it was kind of appropriate to maybe reiterate again i i think bits and pieces come out because i i really i when i talk ask people about their comics origins i tend to uh relate it to mine so i bring up my stuff every right. once in a while so I, I do think bits and pieces are probably in episodes but probably not the full thing um i shared this on facebook today uh that there's footage of me at one years old like i was celebrating my one-year-old birthday it was a batman birthday i had a batman shirt on i had batman toys all i got from my birthday was just batman stuff that's great my parents joke, and I don't know if it's true because they joke about it, but it could be. It honestly could be that my third word was Batman. It was mom, dad, and the Batman. <laughs> um, and they took me to see Batman forever before I was even one because that came out the year I was born. So I was a little baby wow. and they took me to the theaters to see it. Again, I don't think they knew I would like, like I like Batman at, at negative age, but like they're like, well, we want to go see this movie. So we're taking the kid. <laughs> yeah, sure. That makes sense. Well, it's interesting oh, you say yeah. that because I had a very similar experience. Apparently, my mom likes to tell the story a lot, but I, when I was a kid, uh, I saw Batman Forever when I was a kid, I was, I was when I was like five, and I just would not answer anything that wasn't Batman. Like, apparently for a certain part of my life, I was Batman, and if you called me anything else, would not resp- I would not hear it, and I would not respond to it. Uh, so you had to call me Batman. And then at some point, that changed. But there's a very, very adorable picture of me when I was like six years old dressed like Batman for Halloween. So I, I relate to that immediate yeah. connection to Batman as well. I don't remember what age it was. It was the age of my, like, so I, uh, I, I grew up in a very, I still live in a very conservative household. Um, and so there was a time period where we weren't allowed to celebrate Halloween. And it was right. about, I don't know, probably like the first five years of my life. I don't really know. Um, but at some point my mom and dad realized this is stupid. <laughs> uh, so they let us celebrate Halloween. And for one year, I do not remember this. I just know the stories um, that I dressed up as Batman and my dad dressed up as Alfred for me. That's cute. And, and he and he walked around the mall and got candy and he and everybody asked who he was. He's like, I'm Alfred for Batman. Here he is. Um, so like Batman's definitely been the focus <laughs> of my life. But I the first comic book I ever got, I don't remember. So I don't remember the first comic book I ever read because I read a bunch before I started buying them myself. Sure. Uh, the first comic book I ever bought in the comic book store, though, was there was a comic book store that used to be in the town I live in called Some <laughs> Some Good Stuff and More was the name of the comic book shop. Nice. Um, and I bought, uh, let me, I have it on my phone because I have my collection on my phone and I know exactly, I, I still own the first comic I ever bought with my own money. Um, oh, nice. So it's one of those things that like you don't think about but like i don't know how many people actually have that because comics are such a throwaway thing for the sure. longest time so let me see it was an i think i still have all yeah. of the comics i bought but that's because i got into comics very late like all the comics i read when i was younger i read from the library 
And then as an adult, when I was like 22 and in college, I found a local comic shop and started collecting comics again. So I still have all of those. But that's not nearly a flex because that was only seven years ago. Yeah, the first comic I remember getting off of the shelf. And again, I don't know if I bought this like it was the newest issue at the time. Because if it was the newest issue at the time, I would have been, let me do some quick math. I would have been eight. So I don't think, I think it was older than that. But uh, it was Ultimate Spider-Man 28. It was the first comic I ever bought off of a comic shelf. I see. And I read it. Because Spider-Man was also like a huge thing growing up because of the movies and stuff and the 90s right. cartoon. Um, but I remember reading it and it made no sense. <laughs> it made zero sense. It was in the middle yeah, of an arc. I'm sure. It was a transitional issue. There's a bunch of plot threads that Bendis was planning and like zero sense. I'm like, who are these characters? Why does Iron Man look so weird? Who's, who, why does Rhino look weird? Because I also didn't know Ultimate Spider-Man was an alternate universe. I just right. assumed this is the universe. Yeah, I um, I read Amazing Spider-Man a lot when I was growing up, and then I started, I kept myself current on Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, again, reading it through friends in the library, and I hated it. I My friend really loved it, and I hated it because I was such a purist as a, you know, as like a 14-year-old, I was like, that's not, that's not my carnage, that's not what carnage is like, yeah. et cetera, et cetera, um, but I've been curious about going back to it since then, seeing I, I... how I feel about it now. I think you would like it more now because I think you've kind of put some of that away. Right. Because I, th- I, th- I, th- I, th- I, th- there was very much a kid and teenager type aspect of this is what I know, so this is what I like. Right, yeah. Um, and that's why I think the idea of introducing a multiverse into anything that's general populace is going to be hard. <laughs> right. Um, but it would be fun. It would be a lot of fun. Um, but I think because I grew up reading DC the most... Because my dad would always buy comics secondhand. So my parents had a huge collection and they had to sell it to raise me and my sisters. Right. Um, so they were always comic fans. And so my dad would always buy comics when he found them at thrift stores. And you can't really find comics at thrift stores much anymore. No. At least around here, it's much harder to find. But they used to be everywhere in like the two, early 2000s. So he was always buy like, oh, they're 50 cents a piece. I'll buy you guys 10. And we got to pick out which 10. And uh, that's where I read it all like my early Young Justice stuff. Because it was always at uh like uh salvation army or google or something right um and so i learned about multiverses very early because dc's like all about that but even though marvel has a ton they don't i feel like they didn't dabble in the multiverse much until like now (laughs) right so it is super fascinating to like not read about any like alternate realities for the longest time and then all of a sudden get shocked when you find out there's a bunch of them right i i've always been fascinated by multiverses spinoffs and um just pulling up like the you go to like the marvel wiki page or something and you just look at the list of universes and it's like oh everything's the same in this universe except that i don't know like a lot of it was half of them are jokes you know like yeah just reading like lore and you're just like really that's what the universe whatever whatever is like everyone it's all the all the avengers are fish or whatever you know i'm just making that up but like that idea of just like there being a million multiverses and some of them are really zany and funny. It does bug some of them me are though. It, really it does, wild. Yeah, it does bug me though. And I and it bugs me the most Marvel because they never changed it. Uh DC goes back and forth with it. It does bug me when the main universe isn't the, the first universe. <laughs> I actually really like that about Marvel, right? I thought that I thought that was um like I thought the idea of you of it of it being 
universe 616 is really fascinating to me because it is the idea like to me at least it reads as the idea that like you know what sometimes things are just very boring yeah like, that's true our world right this world that we live in that's like earth one you know what i mean like yeah yeah nothing nothing like fantastical happens here yeah <laughs> you know and, and like dc does it too they have like either earth zero or earth prime is usually us and then the main dc universe is earth one um right but even then, yeah, like I get that. Like I get that, like having an Earth that's just boring. And so I, I just think that's a fun idea because I, I, I don't know. Like narratives always want to center themselves on the most interesting thing. Mm-hmm. So the idea that the Marvel universe is actually centered on the six hundred and sixteenth thing, because the other ones aren't worth looking into, is very funny to me. Yeah, it makes me wonder, like, how did the split off get to the six one six? Because with the multiverse and multiverse theory, if we're gonna dive into that at all, the idea is every Earth gets split off uh, by one decision. Like, if you say one thing while you were trying to debate between the two, that splits off right. the multiverse. Like, we've through this conversation, we've split off a hundred multiverses, probably. Right. Exactly. Um, and so at, there had there was six six hundred fifteen multiverses before the six one six universe that led to the 616 universe existing like that's the way my mind works with that like from 1 to 615 each one led to 616 so my curiosity is like how what decisions split these off right so yeah it's it's super curious and like neither comic book treats treats that as like the way it works because every other multiverse is so vastly different yeah because realistically, it, the Marvel Universe would not be Universe 616. It would be like Universe 6 quintillion. Yeah. You know, like, because of how many zillions of decisions had to happen to get it to the point that it's at. Yeah. And, and uh, it, my, the, most, the, my, the most fun thing for me when it comes to comic books is to watch the old science <laughs> correct itself. Right uh like the two biggest examples are the original flash and uh the hulk who are both made by really bad science because mm-hmm. the hulk is made by gamma ray explosion which uh now that we know more about like radiation and gamma rays in general like that just wouldn't happen um and right. uh the original flash was made by a concentration of hard water <laughs> okay sure so it's like uh, the old science is so fascinating to see them have to retcon it or change it to be like, well, this is what we had to call it. <laughs> yeah. Like gamma right now in the Hulk is this whole like mystical thing. It's like, yes, gamma radiation is the thing that the Hulk feeds off of, but also it's his, it's his inner demon that got released by the gamma radiation and stuff like that. So w- what is it about comics that you think has held your attention pretty much your entire life? Um, I think when I was a kid, it was the fantasy of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a teenager, it was escapism. But as an adult, it was, it, it's been more, it evolves, it, it bounces back and forth. But as an adult, I think it's been more so reflection. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like art of the craft. I really enjoy reading good comics because like these are good writers and good storytellers and good artists. They all play together to make a story for me. So I examine how each one tries to do that because you can learn if you're a writer, you can learn a lot from just the writing of comics, but you can learn a lot from the art too. Right. Because the art shows you how a scene is pictured and you can learn visually in your head 
by reading comics more so than like movies and TV because there's still images and you kind of see like this is how this image had to be painted. So how can you describe it? Right. Um, so that's one aspect. And the other is I love the reflection of today in comics. And I know people say <laughs> it's it's a dumb argument on the internet. Keep politics out of comics. Sir, I'm reading Captain America from the beginning right now, and all of it's about punching Nazis. There's not right. a single issue that isn't about beating Nazis or some really bad stereotype. Um, and even like the the Batman, I'm reading also really early Batman books right now, and the whole premise of it is uh, CD underground politics half the time. So right. yeah, that I means it's always there. So like, I think comics are a good reflection of the time, and they they hide it pretty well because they are technically for kids um sometimes it's overt sometimes it's too overt uh sometimes it misses the mark and sometimes it is virtual singling uh looking at you uh new warriors that never will come out um (laughs) but uh yeah i think it's a good reflection and it keeps you it keeps your mind fresh when it comes like the politics of the world and helps you not have to read the news to kind of understand what's going on sure what was the first comic book that you read that you really like connected to emotionally do you remember? Uh, let me think. I'm trying to think as far back as I can to see if I can. Well, honestly, like it's comic strips because I read a lot of comic strips growing up. Um, and like I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and it's my like I have the like almost entire like I think I have the entire Calvin and Hobbes like single volumes. Sure. I want to buy that that nice box that one day, but it's expensive. Um, yeah. And like I think those are the comics growing up that I connected to because they related to me uh, the most. Right. Like those, I read, I read Calvin and Hobbes a lot. I read Foxtrot a lot. And uh, even Peanuts, like I'm looking at all the ones I own. And like those ones hit home because I was a kid. <laughs> sure. And I, and that, I, and there's I nothing wrong with that. Those. Yeah, I understood those. And like, I read Archie too. Archie did not connect with me because Archie's still about a kid in the 50s. <laughs> right. Um, so those are the ones I think I related to the most first um now it comes to actual like i mean every comic is comics but like the actual like 23 page comic book um trying to think i think it was the first time i read either under the red hood um or like there's a lot of dc stuff in that era i'm trying to think of um what was it there was a Grant Morrison JLA. I'm pretty sure it was Grant Morrison. It was either Grant Morrison or Mark Wade JLA that I read, where where Superman got hit with I think red kryptonite, and it turned all of his <laughs> his skin like um it made his skin uh like super thin, like so so thin it was see through, and so he couldn't be in the sun because if he was in the sun it would be intense pain, and that always stuck into my brain because like it was just a visual of Superman screaming and you could see all of his muscles. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it was really gross. Um, but that, like those, those things resonated with me because they were scary <laughs> more yeah. than anything. Um, Absolutely. But I think Under the Red Hood is the first one I could think of because I remember. Have you ever read the original like graphic novel of it? No. The movie follows it pretty well, but it's still a cartoon, right? Like they have to do the cartoon art; they have to simplify the art a bit. But there's that scene. Have you seen the original uh, animated movie, though? I have. Yeah. So there's the scene at the end where he has the Joker and Batman's there, and he's like, "Why, like, let me kill him, right?" Right. And in the comic, that is 
super like detailed and it's like the cover of him the cover is literally jason in the red hood mask holding joker's head with a pistol into the temple like that's the cover of the comic mm-hmm. um and so like that whole end deal is very intense um the other one i, I was actually thinking about this because i thought you might ask me a question like this <laughs> um <laughs> good i got a bunch i get i used to get a lot of comics through the library and uh i was reading green lantern and kyle rayner because that was who was the green lantern at my time um and this is the first comic that i think my parents ever saw me read and they took it away from me Um, oh wow because in the kyle rayner green lantern uh i want to say it's written by judd winnick at the time there's kyle has a gay friend like a really good gay friend and he gets the the crap beat out of him it was a huge hate crime and kyle kind of loses it and goes after the guys that beat him up um and i remember reading that and not knowing what a gay person was though because oh. <laughs> just the way I was raised, right? Um, and I remember my parents reading. I was like, "Oh, you shouldn't be reading that." I'm like, "Why not?" <laughs> I'm like, what's the problem with this? But I remember reading that and reading Kyle's like fury for a friend, and that's always stuck with me too. Like that's one of those few things that's just always stuck with me. It's interesting. I, it's interesting the different ways that people will find a story that connects with them. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me that like you're for the one of the first reactions, one of the first emotions that you really connected to with comics was horror like you know there's a lot being... of scary stuff in comics yeah no there is absolutely i was gonna say like one of the first comics i remember reading and really like connecting with thinking was amazing was uh, we went on a road trip one time i think we were going to like florida or west virginia we went on a lot of trips to the to the beach when i was younger and i grabbed the uh, the marvels the like the like four issue uh little mini series where sort of uh, like the... retells yeah the kurt music alex ross stuff yes that one yeah. and and the sort of beginning of that with the human torch just being basically like a science experiment mm-hmm. it's like really terrible like it's yeah. just horrible stuff but i was like really uh awestruck by the rest of that book just being sort of like what must it be like to not be a superhero in this world and just be like a guy right like oh yeah the main character of that comic is just like a guy you know he's just like a photographer and yeah. he like meets it's like the it's sort of you know in hindsight it is sort of like the Forrest Gump of comics because he he sort of just ends up meeting all these important people mm-hmm. but it's I think a lot less tacky than Forrest Gump is um and and I just I really remember that issue as being the first one I was like this is really cool um and then I read a lot more comics after that obviously and I had read comics before that too but that was the first one that I really like I, I guess I was also getting older too mm-hmm. so yeah i mean i i've gone back i was doing this thing for a minute until it became too much of a hassle to do so often where i was reading through my entire collection again mm-hmm. and um i was reading like old superman and old, old action that i just owned that i've read like maybe once or twice when i was a kid but i never reread sure um and i was reading and i'm like wow well, these stories resonate so much more now that i'm older because i can understand the concepts that they're trying to portray and even now reading these old cap and old batman stories they're very stupid and half the time they don't make any sense they're just pulp stories that are drawn sure. but every once in a while you're like oh this is like super compelling like um let me i have it, the image on my phone let me grab it real fast i was reading a batman issue and batman thinks that um dick got killed uh he finds his body like lifeless on the floor and there's a caption uh that reads slowly with his great frame strength and small veins stand out from his features muscle cords in his throat his eyes become fire his mouth and knife edged line 
for the first time the batman knows rage bleak grim rage uh woe to all criminals for now that batman has become a terrible figure of vengeance it's like okay okay hold on hold on this man's been doing <laughs> he's been dressed up as a bat for like the last year because sure. of his parents but seeing his partner may be dead like that description of that rage and this is again the, like this is like the fourth batman issue um and it's made like still for kids and it's like that's the right. description you could have had though which is to say that Bill Finger is much better than Bob Kane. That's that's because <laughs> um, some of the art in those early Batman issues is bad. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, so I think it, it, comics relate to you wherever you're at for the most part. Right. And if you don't understand them, you're still fun. Like I read Identity Crisis as a kid. I did not know there was rape stuff going on in that book. I just oh. didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I just saw mm-hmm. a cool fight with Deathstroke and all of everybody fighting them, and I thought that was cool. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's interesting when you have those blind spots for things that you go back to as an adult and you're like, oh, I completely missed the subtext mm-hmm. as a but I guess that speaks to the strength of the writing that it plays both ways, um, you know, yeah, with and without and the full context of things happening. And I think that's where the art comes in too, because you can hide things in the art also. Right. Like there's some context that like my some of my favorite issues are silent issues, but there's no dialogue. And everything's done by the art. Um, the last issue of ha ha. Uh, by image which is a, a, a five issue clown anthology um is about a mime and a mime like having a really hard time so there's no dialogue except for like maybe four words but you get the whole emotional spectrum in the comic because the art's really well done right yeah that's very cool yeah what you got for me next glenn uh, my next questions are you know how how's being into comics like how has that sort of connected you to other pieces of media? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it like, does. Go ahead, sorry. No, it, 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 it totally does. Um, I don't think I would read as much if I wasn't in the comics. Mm-hmm. Um, I read a lot of novels now in general. Not as much as I did one year, but I do read more than I used to. I read a lot in middle school and, and a little bit in high school, but I stopped because school forces you to read so much that you get tired of it. I think that happens to almost everybody sure um and so i didn't get back into reading until i was was like 22 basically right yeah um i started reading novels but i I always always was reading though because i was reading comics right and there's there's plenty of comics that can go toe-to-toe with any novel you want to throw at it um people always kind of talk about how comics are not not real literature at times but they're, they're like i get that there's plenty of dumb comics um but I still think that they have a good connection to novels. And if you want to get your kids to read, have them read comics and then build them to novels. Or yeah, absolutely. Say. Absolutely. That's really interesting you say that because my brother does not like to read books, but will read comic books. Yeah. Like nonstop. And I have, I have friends who don't like to read, but if I say, hey, read this comic, they'll read the comic. So I, I think in general, like, if you if you want someone to read find a comic for them to read because they will read those because i think it yes it's easier but also it's more engaging right and novels can be very dry unless you have a good imagination and i i know i've noticed as the years go by my imagination gets harder and harder to activate (laughs) that's funny that's interesting you say that because i have sort of like the opposite thing where my imagination is too overactive sometimes but 
my imagination um, it works for me when i when i want to make stuff or when i'm thinking about stuff but when i'm reading things it doesn't like to play ball sure so that that's always my issues like sometimes i get i reread the same page like five times because my brain just won't focus on it right um so yeah that's how i think comics help me with other stuff was mostly with books um movies and tv shows i guess um i guess they kind of relate back to comics in a different way because i feel right. like the movies and tv shows got me to read the comics they were inspired by right i don't think i started reading more marvel until the marvel movies came out <laughs> well i was just gonna say what's interesting about that is the way that like how old are you again jesse you're am, a few years younger turned, than me right yeah i just turned 27 right yeah you're just three years younger than me so it's interesting that like when i was a kid it's just kind of funny to think about now and i know this is like the coldest take in the world right but it's like funny the way that when i was a kid and when you were a kid comics were like not cool but now that they're like the mainstream which is awesome and i'm really glad i'm glad that like more people have come to enjoy these characters and these stories and are connected with them and i'm glad that there are so many different franchises and different interpretations of these characters that go that are out there uh moving the characters and stories forward in uh a million interesting ways yeah it's just so funny to think about like how excited i was to see x-men like as a kid be like oh my god they're making an x-men movie that's crazy yeah and now and now you hear that they're making another x movie you're like really oh my god they're making another x movie. well it's just funny because it's like there's that upping of the ante that we had 100 percent because of the marvel cinematic universe where yeah. my friend was like they're making an iron man movie i was like oh, okay <laughs> sure and then it came out and it was obviously amazing and and it really connected with people and then every time he'd be like, they're making a Thor movie. And I just say, that's not going to work. And I've said, that's not going to work yeah. a million times since then for like the Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man. Yeah. And, and, every, and, and it's just like, and I'm wrong every time. And, and I'm so pleased to be wrong because I'm really happy that like, especially now, I know there was a, a, a sort of period of time where people feel like a lot of the movie, a lot of comic book movies became very formulaic. But I'm really happy to see now the way that they're all experimenting with different things. Yeah. Uh, you know for better and for worse sometimes sometimes it does not always land yeah but it's i think they're it's in a really interesting place comics are where because they are it's so funny because i feel like they're they're so huge obviously because they're the you know the biggest movie franchise in the world but i feel like comics themselves are also still sort of niche like I know a million people who are into the Marvel movies, but I don't know if every one of those people is into the comics, you know? Yeah, and I and I think people um, people have a really easy time putting comics as a genre of movies. Right. Where more so than anything, uh, I think Marvel Marvel needs to f- Marvel needs to refocus if they want to keep this this way. And I think in some ways, but more so than anything, comics are should be a subgenre of movies. Right. Where you can have comic book movies, but they can be dramas, comedies, action films, uh, horror movies. Like they, they should be all that and still be based off comics and, and still be comic right. book movies. Um, but if you, if it becomes too formulaic, then yeah, it's going to become like the Western and become just a genre that dies out eventually. Um, but that's why I think there's like, um, everybody forgets like movies like, uh, was it 31 days a night? Is that, is that it? Or 30 days, um, a night? 30 days a night. Yeah. That's a comic book movie right um yeah or something like uh what's another really famous one well i mean like we had so many there were so many 
I feel like after I mean, what was the big one, right? Was it 300? Was it where that yeah, was? Yeah, 300. Then it was like, what's what's a graphic novel we can license and turn into a movie? And there's so many more coming out that people don't realize. There's at least like three that go direct to DVD like every year. Like, uh, what was it? Um, there was a one that just came out to Netflix that did not create great reviews, but that was a comic movie. Um, something about hate or violence or something. I'm not sure. Like Road to Perdition, right? Right. The, the famous Tom Hanks movie. That's yeah. a comic book movie. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I think it's, I think you're absolutely right that people tend to overgeneralize with it. And I'm guilty of this too, because I jokingly, uh, I, I'm sure I've, I've, I've done this stupid bit before where I'm like, Ugh, I don't watch anime, but like, that's not really fair because anime is like, yeah, it's, it's not, it's vast. Yeah. There's so much of it. And my friends, my friends thankfully pushed back to back like on me as i would say that i i mean i 100 was saying it jokingly but then they were like you know it's like really not fair of you to say that because like that'd be like someone saying i don't watch like movies ever yeah you know what i mean like it's it's a it's a subset of me it's like an entire type of media an entire yeah. medium on all its own with a million different facets so i think you're absolutely right that people do i, I get a little frustrated people are like oh I'm glad this thing is more interesting than the average comic book movie or whatever. And, and I understand where that sentiment is coming from, but I do wish people would, I, as with everything, I wish there was a little more nuance. Than yeah, someone's for sure. Take. Yeah. A little more space to have something breathe. Like I, I think that's why everyone compares it to the Western because the Western did die out. But that's because the, like, if you watch a lot of Westerns, which I have, because my dad and my dad's favorite movie genres, it's early on, they were different. But like the later you go in westerns, it's very rarely that you see a western take a different tone. Yeah. Um, I think about one more recent western, Slow West. I don't know if you ever saw that. I did not. Um, it's a Michael Fassbender movie. There's probably someone else famous in it, but I only remember him being in it. And yes, it's a western, but it's very much kind of like a satire of a western in a lot of ways. Sure. And if they or like Blazing Saddles, Blazing Saddles is technically a western, but it's a comedy, and like it's right. super like. Uh, taking the piss out of things um, and so if, if the genre can diversify in that way then that's why I feel like it becomes a subgenre not really the main genre anymore but if it becomes the main genre it can die out really fast it's really fascinating to me you bring up westerns because I love westerns, yeah. um, westerns I, love are great. I still do like them a lot no I of course I specifically I really love spaghetti westerns right because yeah. uh, my favorite movie of all time is the good the bad and the ugly yeah which is a spaghetti western and what I love about that movie is it is Sergio Leone. Basically, he was really inspired by Kurosawa and his samurai films. And in part, Kurosawa was inspired by like the John Ford Westerns, right? Like Seven yeah. Samurai mm-hmm. is like very much sort of like, what if we took a lot of cowboy tropes and converted yeah. them into samurai? And which is great. Like that's what's amazing. Like Spiderweb Castle is an amazing Kurosawa movie, but it's like literally just Ham, not Hamlet. It's literally like um, Macbeth. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic. I, it's it's really fantastic when people take their take a an idea and reinterpret it through another lens. And so, like, the good, the bad, and the ugly is a movie about the Civil War made by an Italian guy, inspired by Japanese filmmakers, inspired by American western. So it's like yeah. this whole weird thing. And I think you see sometimes comic books, or you see other properties that aren't even comic books, but they are, you know, it is a video game that is like a comic book. Yeah that you know or a video game that is making it it's like sort of parodying comic books but in and of themselves those comic books were originally parodying like 
you know, pulp, pulp TV shows or something like that. So it's really interesting the way that media evolves uh, and yeah. even the Western, you know, the Western did die out because it was like the dominant genre, but like, there's so many movies that we call Westerns these days because of the way that like the Western has a certain sensibility to it. Of or tend called to be a modern like, day Western or something. Right. Like a modern day, like people when like, Oh, the big Lebowski is a Western. And I'm like, you're not wrong. Yeah, you know what not. I mean? Like, it's often, you know, it's a very minimalist story and this focuses all on characters. Um, and I think it's like really interesting and, and I love to see that and I love to see more. I would love to see more of that, like, you know, um, you know, the way that like WandaVision was like very bizarre and like for so many episodes was parodying uh sitcoms but also a superhero thing at the same time yeah. you know and and like you can call call falcon Winter Soldier very much either mcue or military propaganda which it's definitely can be both but it's also a show that's dealing with not feeling like you're worth something sure because with bucky Absolutely. and with, with and with and with um and with sam sam doesn't feel worthy of the show because he doesn't think anybody will respect him with the shield as a black man and and Bucky's dealing with regret so deeply that he can't sleep. <laughs> like it's that's right. basically what it is. And so, like you can have those nuances, but are you willing to go full throttle on them? Is the question. And I hope we, I hope we get to see more weird comic media. You know, like I, it seems like everyone is excited to go in very strange and new, fun directions, rather than just make a sort of standard like it's a group of good guys and they fight some bad guys and win movie. Yeah. And, you know? I, and, and I hope that we don't get too off the mark too. Cause I like with the shows like the boys um, now invincible um, and coming up soon, Jupiter's legacy. Like those are very much what if Superman was not what Superman is, right? Those are very right. much what the shows are in those comics are. And, but, and I worry that those will get so popular that you can't do a normal Superman thing. Like look at man of steel right which is frustrating because normal superman's good <laughs> yeah but if you can't convince that's what the that's what comic movies come to a head is if you can't convince executives that this will work they're just not going to do it right and that becomes a frustrating thing um at least for me as a reader because i'm like why are we why are we taking this tone with this thing yeah um, absolutely to talk about like how things evolve it's really funny you mentioned that because there's a new Darkman comic coming out oh, really no shadow man shadow man that's what it is shadow man comic coming up from valiant and i read an article for the preview of it or the review of it and the review says if you're like me you know shadow man from the n64 video game i'm like uh, uh. <laughs> my body <laughs> we're like that's where everybody knows him from though because valiant that comic was so popular at the time in like the 90s from valiant that they got a video game and then everybody only remembers the video game now <laughs> Right. So that's how everybody relates to this new comic. I was like, well, he's been around for forever. It's, it's, it's super funny how things just like, whatever the last thing you know it from is what you remember. Like, there's so many kids that probably just know Justice League from the animated series. Right. Or, you know, to a much lesser degree and, and to a, a much sillier degree, I will sometimes interview kids for my job or and, and I'll see them like, I'll be like talking to someone and I'll look over and I'll see the kid doing like a like a kid was one time doing the um the chicken dance from Arrested Development, right? Yeah. With like hand on top of your head and then bouncing your legs back and forth, and I was like, "That's really funny." And and he was like, "Oh, it's from Fortnite." And I'm like, it <laughs> "Super isn't, but 
I'm going to see kids do the Carlton. They're be like, it's from Fortnite. I'm like, let me, let me sit you down. But I mean, that, that's, I mean, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. No, like it's, it's always, way. you know, it's always like, like I said, it, it is always interesting to see people reinterpret something um, their own, through their own sort of perspective. And I don't always like that, you know, like I don't yeah. like uh, a lot of like, like, what if we made this character, like, what if we took a comic book character and made them edgy? Like, I don't yeah. really connect to stories like that because I think that's sort of as a, it's not what the characters are built for. And so when you do that to characters, I feel like sometimes you're sort of cheating because it's like, well, sure, like this character is probably really, this storyline is probably really dark and traumatic if you frame it in a dark and traumatic way. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to take real world consequences and put them in this kind of thing like yeah it's horrific or whatever but like yeah that's not the story you were trying to tell originally yeah and, and i and i think that if if people like you and me could just meet in the middle with our personalities the world would be better because i'm too optimistic on things um i think me and you have talked multiple times about things are about to come out and you're like there's no way this can be good and i'm like there's no way this can be bad <laughs> right um like like the best example i could think of right now is that powerpuff girls cw show right in my brain, <laughs> I know that that's not probably going to work, that it's probably going to be just a typical, boring, bad, mediocre CW show. But t- but my heart tells me this is going to be good because there's people behind it that really care about it. And to right. me, if there's anybody behind something that really cares about the thing that they're making, and don't get me wrong, there's definitely people that do not care about the thing that they're making. For um, sure. It, ha- it has to be good at somewhere, has to be good somewhere. But that just right. isn't true. Um like let the me message... just say for the record i'm gonna watch at least a little bit of that show oh yeah because i will follow like, chloe yeah, bennett act- anywhere <laughs> there's actors that we both like in that show there's a tiktok guy that i love who's gonna play mojo jojo's son of course i'm gonna watch it um <laughs> oh my gosh. but um there's a like the the biggest example i can think about right is the spirit the, the frank miller directed spirit oh. that movie is yep. a bad movie i watched it uh out of curiosity one time and i'm like that wasn't that bad he's he frank miller loves like realizer there's no way this movie's that bad and like the further i get away from it's like no it is that bad you just got to accept that it's gonna be bad yeah well what's interesting to me about that movie is i have a lot of nostalgia for that movie because it was a uh that movie came out in 2008 which is a very like winter it was christmas 2008 i think which is a very tumultuous and sad time in my life and i went and and saw that movie with my uncle and my brother and I just laughed like it, it was like such a dark time for me uh, personally because my grandma was very, very sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember just going to that movie and just like having a total blast. And I think it was probably just because that movie was it's something so silly. that it's so took beautiful. me. Yeah, it's so ridiculous, you know, like it's so silly and stupid and ridiculous. And Sam Jackson is having an amazing time. They put Sam Jackson in a Nazi uniform for just like three seconds for that movie. <laughs> it's ridiculous but i enjoyed that movie so much and then a few years later i watched it when my wife and i first started dating and i showed it to her and i was like huh (laughs) yeah this is uh not how i remembered it and i think like my my reasoning like people who are passionate about the thing that has to be good i still think there are cool things about that movie i think it is filmed in a very cool way but it's also in film not in a way that i think a spirit movie should be filmed in that's right. uh, it's 100 uh sin city which like if you know frank miller's relationship with sin city of course the, the, he was highly involved in the production of those two movies um he even wrote more sin city for the second movie which that's not a good movie um <laughs> But uh, 
but not only that like the cast is really good i think sam jackson's great i think all the actors and actresses in it are great the plot the bad the bad part's the plot <laughs> um right and so like i think yes there's inherently good pieces of everything um if you if you want to like really take things further apart but for the most part you have to look at it as a whole um I can think about Inhumans, right? Like one of the biggest Marvel misfires is Inhumans. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because, Certainly one of the biggest. Yeah, not only is because it just those showrunners were like kind of fresh, it seems like, um, but it just didn't understand the characters and it tried to make the characters something that they're not for the most part. But that cast was insanely well picked. <laughs> right. So like you can give them credit for that, but you have to still look at it as a whole and say, this was the total misfire of everything. Yeah. And I think there are things, you know, there are always going to be those things that some people like more than other people. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, but uh, yeah, I'm you not know, going to tell a, someone who loves Inhumans the the TV show that they're wrong. I'm just going to tell them I don't agree. <laughs> right, because I mean, I have so many friends who watch the first episodes, the first few episodes of Agents of Shield, and then we're like, "No, nah, that's not for me." And I was like, "Man, you, you but it's so good. Like, yeah. I know it doesn't seem like it up front, but like." that show really goes places there's so many shows that don't know what they're doing in their first season so many yeah. shows you can you can name 10 off the top of your head right now i've asked you to but i'm not gonna ask you to because that's not what the show is sure uh, i guess sort of wrapping up um the questions i had for you what do you where do you hope the show goes in the future like if when you are looking at the show one year from now what do you hope to have accomplished um i kind of no not like the the easy answer is just to interview cooler people and and have like cooler projects on of here. course because i think getting independent artists and stuff like i have a few um independent people coming on soon that i'm not going to announce yet because i don't know if what's been settled <laughs> um but it's cool it's really cool to have these people on there's comics i'm super excited about that i get to talk to those creators because they're small and i'm small um but that's not really why I want this to become. I would love this to become a small community. <laughs> sure. And I think that's anybody who really loves a, something that wants more people to know it. They want to foster a community. Right. Absolutely. Because um, I think, I think like, again, we look at both, look at Uppercut. Like, I don't think either, either Ty or Jess or Monty started that thing together to foster a community. But I bet you anything at some point, they're like, that's what we want. <laughs> right. And that's what they have now. And like that's what's super cool. Uh, and I, that's not what I started out to do this with. But now that I'm kind of a year in, I'm like, that's what I want now. I want to have a small group of people that like talking about comics, like the show, and can relate to each other. Because honestly, I feel like it's harder, even without COVID, it's super hard to find people that you enjoy talking to about the things you like. <laughs> oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And so if yep, I could absolutely. if I could be any bridge to people to kind of like join together and have like good conversations about comics and things adjacent to comics, that 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 would feel really good. Yeah, and, and it's so often so hard to find people who are even willing to talk about something in good faith, right? Like, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Oh, and just talk about X movie or Y movie, and it's like someone's immediately going to drop some dumb quote from a review. Yeah, that or, they really or, like. Or like oh, what take. about this? And you're like or a hot take because they just want to be different <laughs> yeah yeah and there's definitely i mean like i'm not i'm not free of sin in oh, this regard either. there are certainly some movies where i'm like that movie like but i i think if someone actually wanted to have a conversation about 
you know, whatever movie. I would not sit there and despair to someone's opinions just because I didn't like the movie that off that much. I would be like, well, I, it's an, I'm glad you liked it and I'm glad yeah. you saw that interpretation, but none of this landed with me, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I'll talk to someone about Fifty Shades of Grey. I'm not going to like talking about it, but I'll talk to someone about it because they're interested <laughs> to talk about it. Or same thing with Twilight. Like, I've seen all the Twilight movies because of a bad bet I made with my sister. And, um, like, I don't want to talk about those things personally, but if someone really wants to talk to someone about it, I'll sit down and talk because I know what it is and I can talk about my experience with it. That's funny. We should talk about Twilight sometime. I have okay, a lot of thoughts about Twilight. We can, whenever the movie thing takes off, we can talk, we have a Twilight special. <laughs> great yeah um, i mean i'll talk about new moon uh, uh a, a movie i reviewed that got me a date with my wife hey that's positive though the, the best thing that came out of the twilight uh movies is the first movie soundtrack jesse not even kidding you i i can hear like my wife in another room right now and like i she doesn't know why but like a uh like a tingle just ran down her spine because she's so excited that you said that i mean you're talking about twilight literally like a month ago and she was like you can say anything you want about this movie but you cannot say a word negative about the soundtrack that's how i I discovered muse oh my god that's the only way i knew about them is because my sister loved that movie and so i i heard supermassive black hole like five times and i'm like what is this it's really funny. You either discovered Muse through Twilight, or you you or you discovered Muse through uh, Guitar Hero Three. Or, it's or, one or the other. Or there's other. I think there's a third option, which is that really weird friend in high school. Sure. Yeah. But I had Ooh. one friend that was super into Just Muse. Into he was Muse. Also yeah. Super weird. It's That's two true. We all Muse have that one friend. The thing. Okay, um, like that movie, The Thing. Yeah, yeah. That's how I saw it. It's because of him. Weird. Um. I've, I've, I've plenty of stories about that friend later. Um, yeah. Uh, the one thing I feel like I should talk about just briefly, because it is, this is what the podcast is. It's one year. Um, I want to talk about one comic book. Um, okay. And I want to talk about one comic book that really mattered to me. I don't have, I should have, I should have, I should have pulled it out so I could read from it, but I didn't, I'm not going to do it because it's like three boxes deep. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but it is, the whole the whole run really means a lot to me but uh tom king's batman run uh which is weird i, I hate bringing up new comics and talking about how they matter to me so much because everyone's like sure hey, it's new how can it matter so much it's like because yeah, that's, that's exactly what i'm talking about though that's a bad such a bad faith take yeah that like someone could have a connection to something that's current you know what yeah. i mean yeah like every, every it feels like every other month i'm reading a new comic where i'm like oh man this has hit me real hard <laughs> um and so Tom King's Batman hit me in a weird place. And have you read any of his Batman run? No. The first issue, and um, I don't remember if this is the zero issue, technically the one he co-wrote with Snyder, or the first main issue. Uh, I don't remember which one it is. But the first issue, he, there's a plane that's going down. Someone hit, threw a, a shot RPG at a plane. And Batman has to, like, he basically rides the plane uh, and he has to like kind of get it to balance out so he can safely crash land it sure um and so he's riding on top of the plane because it's batman of course um and he doesn't know if he's gonna live he really doesn't there's no one there to save him superman's not there um there's none of the bat families around because they're all separated at this point and he's on the he's on the commons with alfred and he's asking alfred um would this be a good death like would this be the death that honors my parents would you respect the death that's about to happen to me if i die right here 
and that's how that comic almost ends and then someone someone comes in and uh fixes them saves them but that sets the tone for that whole run of that's uh, great of batman dealing with what is what would honor my parents and then you get to an arc or so into it and you learn that bruce wayne this is now canon that bruce wayne tried to commit suicide um the night that the bat flew through the window that he slid his wrists um mm-hmm. and, uh, and i'll make sure to put warnings on the description of this one um because sure. we're talking about this again but um but at the time reading that i'm like wait you're telling me <laughs> you're telling me the batman fan that me and batman will try to kill each other kill ourselves <laughs> like that's what you're <laughs> telling me um so like that was a like not it wasn't like oh man my hero because he's fictional i know he's fictional but it's like the idea of someone so strong being so weak at some points so there's that 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 happened um and then you had the arcs where he him and selena might get married um and anybody who didn't see like a mile away that they weren't gonna get married needs to read more comics um but like the idea that bruce can finally be happy in his life like he's he's been happy he's he like the robin make him happy having a son makes him happy that's not that's not the, really the thing it's about having that peace for like a moment i think being married to selena would give him that peace that he wanted right. um and that gets taken away from him and you learn that slowly but surely this whole arc since like issue like 15 or so has been plotted out by one man uh Mm -hmm. two men technically bane and his father but not like his like not like his main father but his father from uh whatever the flashpoint universe is i don't remember which universe that is but his father from that universe so his actual dad even though it's not that reality's dad his dad's been plotting against them this whole time wow and um and you get to the final issue of that run and this is the issue i really want to talk about and you, he basically, it, it goes back to the oath and it goes back to his father telling him, like, just abandon it. Like, I'm, I'm alive here, even though I'm not like this reality. So father, I'm here alive. You can abandon it. And he's like, you're not my dad. And also right. I'm not choosing the, I'm like, I'm not vowing to waste my life. I'm choosing to use this life now. Like, he's like, I've moved past the kid that tried to take his life and then decided to make an oath to uh, an adult who decided this is the path now this is the only path right. for me and like and, and the, that revelation and you can complain about tom king's batman for being too long because that took so many issues to get there but <laughs> um that revelation at the end and losing alfred right before that losing the only father figure he had before that um and so coming to the point of breaking to to say no i I'm not like choosing this to honor you guys anymore. I'm choosing it because this is who I am now. This is all I am. There's no, there's no Bruce and Batman. There's just Bruce, like as Batman. Like that's who he is. Right. Um, that whole revelation at the end kind of wraps that around to be like, once you move past the depression is always going to be there. The 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 wanting to die, the wanting to um, struggle with your mental health is always going to be with you but you can learn to realize that's just part of you in a way and you can make it yours you can make it you can you cannot make it rule you anymore you can make it um just kind of like it's just me like that's that's it's in me it's part of me that's all it is um let's move on (laughs) like that's that that kind of revelation is an interesting way because like a lot of times 
the duality of superheroes, especially superheroes of uh, secret identities like Peter Parker, Batman, um, Superman, all that. Uh, like think about Marvel. A lot of Marvel heroes don't have secret identities. They just don't. Right. Um, so the secret identity, I think, is the duality of personalities. It's uh, or or with with Batman in this case, a mental illness is like Batman was his depression, his guilt, his anger, his fear, his vengeance. But by the end of that run, it's not. It's just him. It's who he is, and they're both the same person now, kind of thing. Right. Um, so I think that kind of helped me kind of accept everything about myself in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, that's not, great and, to hear. And not only just like my depression stuff, but other stuff that I'm not gonna really get into. But like just in general, it's like made me help me realize like it's just it, it's just I am that I am I am me, and whatever whatever issues I'm having have just been there from the start. Um, sure. And kind of like like I'll deal with them in different ways, but I don't have to feel like um they're separate or like they're foreign to the point where like it's an oath I have to keep to keep myself in line. Like, no, I keep myself in <laughs> right. line because I'm who I am, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's always interesting when, when so you, you sort of bring up the argument of like, oh, how can you relate to this? It's so new. But like, it is so funny the way that sometimes um, I'm always sort of chasing the high of playing a game and really connecting to it. Yeah. On a level that I just did not expect to. And I remember a few years ago when I played What Remains of Edith Finch. Uh, I, I wanted to play because I heard about like, oh, there's a really cool cannery level and this game is really good, I guess. And then I played it and I like had bought it during the Steam Winter Sale and I played it. And I just remember like my main memory of that game is finishing it and just crying for like an hour by myself. Yeah. Um, after my wife had already gone to bed and then being like, you have to play this game. It's like the most incredible thing. You have to play it, blah, blah, blah. And then she played it and she's like, okay, that was, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, and then, yeah, yeah. you know, there's so many times where she'll be like, you've got to play this. I really want to, you to play this, or I really want you to watch this. And I do it. I'm like, yeah, it was nice. I liked it. Like, uh, so it's, you know, I, I, I always, I never want to, I always want to hesitate before I say I clown on someone, something that someone might really connect with. But um, it no, is you... always nice to hear when people do connect to something new. Cause I think so yeah. often people, only want to talk about their favorites in terms of like nostalgia right yeah, like people yeah. want to talk about like i mean i guess i was on here and i talked about a comic from like 1997 but like and that's that's why i always ask people was like tell me what you love so much <laughs> right uh, yeah but i love it when something new because i had uh i had anthony and uh and hana on and anthony brought mr miracle which is super new too and like that yeah my cat that impacted me too <laughs> like a huge amount um right because these things find you at different places at different points in your life so you never know right yeah exactly um, yeah when i when i first read that second to last batman issue i was crying and i went to my dad i was like let me read you these last two pages and i read them to him and he's like cool <laughs> yeah like <laughs> oh, wow, i'm like cool. oh yeah okay you, i forget you haven't read every issue and like you haven't built up to this and also you don't you're not me yeah no yeah so glenn anything else uh yeah you had to ask me uh no you've you we've burned through all of the questions i had prepared well, Glenn, I will now uh, resume back hosting duties. Um, where, where can people find you and all of your fun uh, memes? Um, you can just find me on Twitter. It's my name, uh, at Glenn Battishill. That's at G-L-E-N-N-B-A-T-T-I-S-H-I-L-L. And uh, before I get into the end spiel for this show, um, one thing for the year anniversary, I kind of want to see if anybody has interest in Patreon for the show again. Uh, so hopefully this weekend I'll put out a survey on Twitter and on Facebook for what kind of 
things you would want or what kind of price tiers you would want them at because i want to do more for the show too like having a discord server would be fun uh, even though i'm already part of like five i don't mind being a part of my own <laughs> um doing like monthly book clubs where like we all talk about a certain book would be fun uh giving away books be super fun but i need to know if people would be interested in that and also if i can afford to do some of that <laughs> so um yeah so I'll, I'll put that out this weekend at some point um you can also follow this show at comics matter pod on twitter uh facebook.com at comic uh matter uh you can email me at comicbooksmatter at gmail.com if you have any questions for future guests, want to be a guest on the show yourself, or have a story about how comics impacted your life that you want read on the show, you can reach me at all those places. Um, if you like the show, tell a friend and leave a review, if you don't mind. Um, and the logos for the show are done by my friend Andy Manley, who you can watch The Simpsons and see his name in the credits at some point soon. Um, and my friend Steven, who did the, the banners for everything now. Um, the theme is Join the Restaurant by David Sidetsi. And remember, everybody, especially since I've been reading it more lately, uh, Captain America always punch Nazis.